Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, that, that we've talked about all kinds of different areas of struggle when it comes to health care in the province of Alberta over the past, oh, I don't know, a few years at least now. Um, and we know the province has got all kinds of different plans and different funding and the feds are coming through with different funding to try and fix the problem. Um, which problem? I don't know. There's, 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 there's so many, I don't even know where you start. One of the things we've talked about many times on the air here is the ambulance service in the province of Alberta. When you call for an ambulance, there's no guarantee you're going to get one. You know about red alerts where there are none available. Uh, you've heard the horror stories where people have waited for hours and sometimes, you know, the, the fire department has had to take patients into hospital because there just were no ambulances available. Ambulances coming from Kananaskis into Calgary and all these sorts of, you know the stories. We've talked about them many, many times. It's a problem. It's a big, big problem. Um, So uh, there's a new report out that sort of takes a look at exactly what paramedics think part of the issue is here. And, you know, quite often we hear from paramedics that say they're not hurt. They're not listened to. This is all done by bureaucrats and they don't know what's going on and, and on and on it goes. So um, Michael Corman is a medical sociologist and a qualitative methodologist. Uh, he published a book in 2017 called Paramedics on and Off the Street, Emergency Medical Services in the Age of Technological Governance. But most recently, he titled a report called, uh, authored a report called Lights and Sirens, the critical condition of EMS in Alberta. So let's find out what he found as he did this survey. Uh, Michael, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the parameters of the study we're going to be discussing. Um, how was the data gathered? What did you go about doing in order to put this report together? Sure. I interviewed uh, 27 paramedics in the province of Alberta. These were very in-depth interviews, interviews that took over an hour on average. I combined that with an extensive literature review. I also used my previous research that you mentioned uh, based on my book to really add additional depth complexity and to provide a bit of a longitudinal look at the current crisis paramedics are experiencing. So that earlier research relied on, you know, over 200 hours of observations, over 100 interviews with paramedics, um, observations and interviews at dispatch uh, services in Calgary, as well as interviews with doctors, nurses, administrators, managers, and policymakers. So a real in-depth and complex look at the current situation in Alberta from the standpoint of paramedics. Okay, so was the other side of this equation consulted? Were they part of your work? I'm talking about AHS. Uh, I'm talking about the province. You know, the people that oversee the system, were they involved in your interviews? Sure. I definitely reached out to AHS on multiple occasions, and they did not um, elect to participate in this research. I'd hoped they would, so I can get a more in-depth look from their side. The earlier research, based on my book, did, you know, was able to um, interview people from AHS, but this current report, um, unfortunately, they elected not to participate in this research. Okay, gotcha. Now, it was the union that commissioned this, right, that uh, that paid you and hired you to do this? Are they represented in the report? Yeah, so the, the the report is through Parkland Institute, and so the funding came through Parkland Institute, right. and it's my and, and HSAA were the ones provided. Um, and my understanding is that funding. Um, 
Yes, I mean, I was able to, you know, I did recruitment through HSNA as, long as, as well as other organizations in the province, uh, Alberta College of Paramedics, um, you know, et cetera, and as well as I was able to sort of interface with some of the information and data that HSAA had to really bolster the findings from this report. Okay, excellent. So that's the parameters of what we're speaking about. What uh, You sort of break it down into three main categories, uh, which makes it pretty easy to digest. Let's go through them first. Is, and I think this is so valuable, lived experience, the life of the paramedic and the challenges they face, just basically their report of a day in the life, right? That's That's the first part of this. I mean, yeah, you're, you're you're on the right track in terms of looking at what what does the crisis mean for paramedics? Yeah. You know, paramedics discuss, for example, a failed and broken system, a system that they categorize as, quote, a dumpster fire, um, a return to the dark ages, never being so busy. They talked about a lowering of standards. They talked about how COVID-19 and the overdose crisis did not cause this crisis, but was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And last but not least, the report draws attention to the immense amount of burnout and moral injury that paramedics were experiencing. Uh, for example, paramedics talking about how they were, quote, dead in, uh, they're almost being dead inside, giving up, never going to make it to 65, or being held hostage by the system. One paramedic said, EMS broke me, it was soul crushing. So kind of a combination of their lived experiences and how they give meaning to this process is the first part of that report. And, and and I think a lot of people can identify with this to to some extent, not saying it's the same as what paramedics go through, but it's that it's that narrative from above saying, you know what, we gotta do more with less. We just this is the way that it is. And, and it's not necessarily focused on the the well being of the paramedics, more so the well being or the efficiency of the system, right? That's what it comes down yeah. to. I mean, you know, part two of the report looks at the root of the problem. And let's be quite clear here. The system is not designed to support the wellness of the practitioner, the paramedic, nor does it actually center the wellness of the patient. Um, You are absolutely right to point out how the system is designed to be as lean as possible, geared toward garnering the most efficiencies, doing more with less based on this idea that targeting the work of paramedics. I mean, literally paramedics described how the system is designed. It's focusing, quote, you know, all about the stats, you know, all about time, viewing paramedics as cogs in a machine, a system designed to break people and, uh, you know, instilling this culture of neglect, so to speak. And I, it sounds like that was fairly unanimous among the people you spoke with. Uh, the se- the second section of the study kind of looks into the system that governs paramedics, right? The, the administration, the, the system that oversees the paramedics. And there's something in your report you refer to as AHS Armageddon, that seems to be sort of a turning point for Alberta's paramedics. Yeah, I mean, the history of EMS in Alberta goes back to the 1960s, still sort of very much based on the you call, we haul ethos that kind of formed the basis for contemporary emergency medical services. But you're absolutely right. The 1990s and the 2000s led to major reforms in the province, particularly 2009, when, you know, there was this amalgamation of sorts where AHS took over EMS in the province. For many of the people I spoke to, this was the turning point. This was the turning point where people, quote, you know, became a number instead of a person. People became, quote, meat in the seat instead of a paramedic and a person. This is really, for many of the participants I spoke to, is when things started to deteriorate, deteriorate, uh, you know, um, exponentially. Um, and then, and then the final segment, I think the most important part probably is what these paramedics that you spoke to think and is, is a good way of going about trying to fix some of these issues, yeah. right? And you break it down into a pretty detailed list. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I do offer 15 yeah, recommendations for change and I think even more importantly, transformation. Um, 
you know, there's changes that need to be made within the EMS system. I mean, paramedics are burning out left and right. They're experiencing moral injury. The system is literally causing violence against its workers. You know, there's no point to hire more paramedics if we don't actually retain the ones that we have, right? We're going to continue to experience the cyclical crisis. Um, so we have to first and foremost change the ethos in how EMS is organized in the province, an ethos that must center on the wellness of its workers rather than a toxic environment that really burns people out left and right and that results in moral injury. But I also draw attention to the need to look upstream. Most of the things that make individuals healthy or sick occur outside of healthcare. It's the broader social determinants of health. It's what we call the fundamental causes that lead to health and illness. And so we must address the root of the problem, which would literally lead to leading less, less doctors, nurses, and paramedics. Of course, we're always going to need doctors, nurses, and paramedics, but how do we actually produce healthier individuals and healthier populations? We must look outside of traditional healthcare. And that's the other part of that, that, that 15-point plan there. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty high, high-reaching, high overarching kind of stuff. When you're talking about stepping outside of healthcare, and are you talking about preventive? What, what exactly yeah. are you pointing the finger I at mean, there? Preventative? I mean, we know literally the evidence shows an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Evidence shows that healthcare really only constitutes about 25% of the health of a population. I mean, that means there's 75 to 85% of things in our social environments that shape health and illness, social inequality, access to food, housing, shelter, things like access to education, things that literally address the root of why people become healthy or sick. So yeah, I mean, it's a transformative plan. Um, you know, how do we do this? My comment is, how do we not do this, right? How, you know, we really need to think about how can we actually move upstream and lead to real meaningful change? It, you know, this two-pronged focus of in-system changes and out-system changes. Uh, when was this work done? I mean, I, I don't imagine you were able to encapsulate some of these very recent developments in terms of funding from the feds, um, the, the re-examining by the province and some of the changes that they've brought in to try and alleviate some of the very issues that you're talking about, they're not included in these findings, I would assume. No, but the findings have significant insights, I think, into some of the things that we're hearing um, today. I mean, for example, we've heard reports that there's been a significant reduction over 90 days um, in reducing response times. I mean, literally, it's a savings from 21.8 minutes to around 17 minutes. When I started my research in EMS back in 2008, 2009, I mean, the golden standard was nine-minute responses, and now we're bragging about mm -hmm. a 17-minute response. I mean, to me, that aligns with the focus of the system on a sole trust in numbers versus listening to and understanding the complexity of issues from the standpoint of paramedics. Um, we've heard that this crisis is over. I don't know where that information is coming from, um, but that would not be what I would, you know, uh, speculate from the front line of, para of paramedics and other health and human service workers. Yeah, um, yeah the know. workers we speak to say it's not over <laughs> by any stretch no, of the imagination. I mean, it's a complex problem. So, you know, we're seeing really one-dimensional solutions to an otherwise complex problem. I mean, it's chasing the numbers. It's chasing sort of this idea that time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. But I have not seen any sort of vision proposed at all in anything that I've read in terms of budgets, in terms of how we're going to reform and restructure EMS and broader health and human services in the province. Okay, Michael, I appreciate your time. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I do appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you for your time. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.